It was fun walking around hearing some of the like just really bad suggestions that people got. But I often wonder sometimes in the bad suggestions, is God actually like kind of doing something there that we just don't realize or want to admit yet, hey, look, uh, if you didn't get a chance to take it, maybe you didn't bring your phone in this morning, make sure to take it at home. It's right there on our, on our homepage. Or maybe when you go out of the service today, hop on an iPad out there or something. But, uh, but take advantage of this. It's, it's, it's not only a lot of fun, but through it, I think God's going to reveal some pretty cool things. So today, what I'd like to do is talk to you about my good friend Jesus. And off the bat, I suspect that some of you are like, that's a really odd way to talk about Jesus. I mean, how are you, how are you friends with a guy that, well, you've never met and that you don't spend time with and that you don't talk to and who doesn't talk to you and that you don't see? All right. Good deal. Good deal. So some of the rest of you are now going, there's two people here with imaginary friends. And it can kind of sound that way, you know, can it? It can, it can be kind of strange. It can feel like an imaginary friend, but it's really not like that at all because I'll, I'll just tell you I have met him and I do spend time with him and I do talk to him quite a lot and he actually talks to me too, though I don't hear him, of course, in the same way that you're hearing me right now. And I don't get to spend that face-to-face with him. I wish I could, but I got to wait on that one. So the way I kind of equate it is it's like a friendship with like, you have that good friend in your life who moved away and you don't get to see each other anymore. Or, or some of you who are married, maybe, uh, maybe when you were dating, your spouse was away at college and you had to do long distance. Or maybe your spouse is military and they get deployed. And it leaves you just with this sense of longing and yearning going, I cannot wait for the day that we are reunited again but in the meantime, we email, right? It's a lot like that. Incidentally, I guess I should say that um, Jesus wants to be friends with you too. And if you've never thought of Jesus that way, don't know how to nurture a friendship with him, come talk to me. I'd love to show you how to do that and give you some insights. And, and if you've never really met Jesus, I can introduce you. He wants to be your friend too. And this is a friendship where I feel like, man, I have like married up, if if you know what I mean. I I really have no idea why he wants to be friends with someone like me. But he says that he does. So at some point, I just got to kind of take his word for it, you know? Same for you. If you're wondering, how could Jesus want to be friends with someone like me? All I can tell you is that he does. And you might say, how do you know that he does? And all I can tell you is that he says that he does. And I encourage you or dare you to take his word on it too. Now, Jesus is arguably the most giving, generous friend that I ever had. He gives to a fault. Sometimes I've got to self-check on this because I never want to be that kind of friend who's just friends with you because of what you have or what you give me. It's like, you know, you heard the old adage, you know, the only thing better than owning a boat is being friends with someone who has a boat. 
I, I never want to be that kind of friend. You know what I mean? Well, well I kind of do. If you want to be friends with me and you have a boat, I kind of do. But I never want to be the kind of friend that's just take, take, take. Now, I, I know this. I am never going to outgive Jesus. And I am never going to match him in generosity. But I do want to self-check every now and then, going, am I just in this for what I can get out of you? I just don't want to be that kind of person. And I don't want to treat another person that way. But nonetheless, even when my friendship motives aren't solid, this brother is generous to a fault. I mean, I remember the time, like, well, I should say this. I think he's kind of an introvert, sort of like me. Um, a lot of you don't realize this, but I am a pretty hardcore introvert. I go home from church on Sunday, and I can turn the light switch on, but then I need to go sleep for like 36 hours in my cave. Did, introverts, you know what I mean on this? Sometimes I get the sense and I think that Jesus may be an introvert because I notice there's a lot of times he just wants to be alone. He just wants some time to himself. But, but every time that I come to him, he makes time for me. And I've seen this with other people too. Every time that people come to him, he puts it aside and chooses to give to them instead. I remember this one time he was out, like he was on the teaching circuit. He was out like all stinking day. And all he wanted to do was come home, get in the lazy boy, pop on the TV and open a beer. But he comes home and there are like, just like the parking lot and driveway are full. I mean, there are people all around his house because people are just attracted to him. They, they, they see something in him. He's one of those guys that people just naturally want to be friends with. And they were there, and he's tired. And you know what he did? He just had compassion on him. He had compassion on him and gave up what he wanted to give to them because he knew it would bless them and help them. And so he did it. And he lives his life that way. I think of this other time where he like picked up this towel and he kind of got down on his knees and he just started like washing his friend's feet. I'll tell you this, you ever try to wash my feet? You're getting decked. You know, it's just, you don't need to be down there. That, that, that's weird and it's awkward. But when it's someone like him, I should be washing his feet. Wouldn't you agree? And there was this time that he just started washing his disciples' feet. Because, you know, he wasn't afraid of the dirty jobs. A lot of times I'm afraid of the dirty job. I don't want to do the jobs that are unpleasant to me. There's a lot that needs to be done in this world. Would you agree? But I want to do the jobs that fit my timetable. I want to do the jobs that make me happy, that make me feel good, that bring me joy. Someone else can do that other kind of work. Maybe you're like that too, but Jesus wasn't. He was a guy who would do the menial work, who would get down on his knees and wash dirty feet. That, that's just, it's just what he's like. I remember this other time, it was this woman, he didn't even meet her before, but he wanted to be her friend. And people were just tormenting her. They caught her doing some stuff that she shouldn't be doing and they dragged her out to make a public spectacle of her and they're ridiculing and mocking her and trying to get Jesus to side with them. And you know what he did? 
He risked it all. He risked his reputation. He risked his standing with that people. He didn't care if he was on the outs in the in circle. He didn't care if he was kicked out of the clique. He stood by her side. He's the kind of friend who would give, even of his very own self, even of his own reputation. Are you kind of with me on this? Just kind of the guy that he is. I mean, he's gone so far with this that he actually even died for me. He died for you too. And he died for people who are actually in the process of killing them. He just gives and gives and gives. And while they're killing him, he's saying things like this, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. He's the kind of friend that like turns the other cheek, that'll take the blow, that isn't wounded by the insult, that isn't knocked down because you blew him off. He's the kind of friend that still gives even when you blow him off, turn your back on him, talk bad about him behind his back, or downplay a relationship with him because it isn't popular around the other friend circle you happen to be in. He still is generous to a fault. This is the kind of friend I have found him to be, and it doesn't make sense to me. It really doesn't, and it hasn't made sense to many of his closest friends either, which is why he would take time to explain it to them. I'll I'll give some of those things that he said to you here this morning. I remember this time that he said this, where he, he would call himself, like he would talk about himself in the third person, which admittedly is kind of weird, but that's how he rolls, and he would go, you know, the Son of Man, you know, didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. It's like he was trying to explain to some of his friends who just wanted to be popular and who wanted to be great and who wanted to be like just wow by other people. Go, no, that's not, what, that's not what I'm about. Like I'm here to serve people like that. I'm here to serve other people. In fact, the way I can even understand my life is one of service, not being served. So far as giving my life as a ransom for others. There's this other time he said this. Like freely you've received. Freely give. Because that's how he rolls. Remember this. Where he says, give. Just, just give, you know, do it. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. Do you want a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over? I don't even know what that means unless I stop and think about it. But it sounds pretty good, and it sounds pretty lavish. And he's like, that's what God will do. Because that's how God rolls. God is a giving God. So he's like, be like me. You know, be like God. Give, and it'll be given to you in abundance for the measure with which you use. It will be measured to you. Give a little, yeah, God will meet you there. And trump it up a little bit. Give a lot? Oh, look out. See what God's going to do. I think of this. This one time he said this. And I didn't even hear this from him. I had to hear this from another friend of his who just kind of recorded it. It said, it's more blessed to give than receive. And we all nod our heads and we know that's the right answer. Is it more blessed to give than receive? Sure it is. But do we believe it? Ah, I don't a lot of times. I like to receive. If any of you want to give me things, good things, mine. You don't go cleaning out your garage now on me, all right? I will willingly take them from you. I like to get good things, free meals, nice trips, rides on boats, right? I like to get good things. Do you like to get good things? 
Jesus, man, he looks at life differently. He's like, nah, you know what? It's good to get good things, but you know what's even better? Giving. Blessing others. And strangely, I've intuitively come to really discover that it's true that in those times when I put myself out there and choose to give of myself in some kind of way for another without expecting something in return, it's actually kind of better. It's funny to me to realize that Jesus actually knows what he's talking about. And so he's become a friend that I'm really learning to trust in that kind of way. Which leads us to what we call our fifth discipleship pillar here at Fellowship of Faith as we learn what it means to be like Jesus, to live like Jesus, and to follow Jesus. And we put it like this. We call it re-give. Stick with me through this. Here's what we say here at FOF. We believe all that we are and all that we own ultimately come from God. It's a realization that we come to that everything that I am is ultimately a gift from him. Be it the abilities that I have, the skills that I've had, the opportunities that I've had in life, the resources I have, maybe the intellect or the strength or whatever else it might be. All of this is ultimately a gift from him. Somehow traces its source back to him at the root. And so what a life of faith means, a life of response to God, because that's what faith is. It's responding to God. It's responding to God in trust, going, yeah, you know, you did something so good for me, and, and, and that, that kind of sticks with me, that clings with me. And so I kind of want to kind of respond back to you in a positive way. We call that faith. A life of faith, therefore, means giving back to him. So discipleship, being like Jesus means giving the first of what we receive in proportion to what God has given us. It's about embarking. It's a way of life where we continually become more generous and more sacrificial because that's how Jesus rolled with our time, with our money, with our very selves towards our church, our families, the needs of others in this world because Jesus' generosity and sacrifice had no limits. And we follow it up by saying we find it a challenge to be sure. We find it a joy. It's what life with Jesus looks like. And so here at FOF, we make a pledge, those of us who commit ourselves at least in membership here, we say, I covenant to do what? To give. To give. To give. How? Generously. Sacrificially. From the first of what I receive is a faith-based gesture going the best and first, God, I give it back to you. And proportionately to what you have given me. I'm striving to learn how to do this better because that's the kind of friend he is and I want to follow him in kind and it's what we encourage you who are here looking to be a follower of Jesus to emulate 
as well. So I'm going to bring three people on stage this morning, and I'm going to do it in succession, one at a time. And each is going to share with you briefly a story of how they've learned to do this or experienced this with Christ in their life. The first is Patty McNally, great woman who's been attending here at Fellowship for a while. Patty's going to come up and share a time in her life where she saw God just provide for her in ways that defied common sense. Patty, I don't see you in a corner here. Did you flee the building? Or there you are. Would you welcome Patty up to the stage with me today? Here you go. Patty, let me get you hooked up on the mic right here. And while I get my stool, I've already introduced you, but why don't you just share how long you've been coming to Fellowship of Faith? Hi. I'm Patty, obviously. Um, I've been coming here about a year and a half. My claim to fame is I'm Sarah Schmidt's mom, but I am an attender here. Also, um, we came a few times before COVID hit, and then after COVID hit, we stopped coming into the building and watched online. So I feel like it's been longer. Yeah. Yeah, and it's been great having you here and so great having Thanks. you in the family. And by the way, you're more than Sarah Schmidt's mom. It's no knock on Sarah. You're Patty McNally, and we love Thank you for you, you all Thank right? You. So right. good to Steve? have you here. <laughs> <laughs> so look, you, you experienced something 24 years ago, and I'm going to let you tell the story. Why don't you share with us what happened 24 years ago? Okay, I had been married 17 years to a Christian man who I thought we had a very, very solid marriage and relationship and family. And he answered an ad on the internet and fell in love with somebody else and left our family in every way. And from what you've told me, he left you, he took everything. He left you pretty much high and dry, right? Yeah, I was a teacher's aide at the time, and so I insured the whole family. And in my school district where I was, an aide at the time, because the insurance was so expensive, my paychecks every two weeks were $80. Okay. And so on that $80, I had to figure out how to survive and... Obviously, $80, you know, is like a gas tank a week. Yeah, and every stay-at-home mom or, or every single parent here knows that challenge of trying to raise children on a single income and then going even more where it's teacher's aid salary. It's not a high-paying job. No. You, you lost 17 years of everything that you guys have even saved or equity, right. house, you name it. It's, it's gone. Share with people today the ways that you saw God provide in that time. It's so huge that it's hard to say in only five minutes, so I'll try to just give the gist. But obviously, I was devastated. Our family was devastated. And even though I was a Christian at the time, I grew, my faith grew to a new level that I never, ever experienced before. I think it's that old adage of you never know what you have till it's gone, and you never know how much you need God until God is all you have. And so I journaled a lot. I filled out so many journals over the next couple years, and I would just cry out in prayer and need, and I really hoped that my family would be restored, but that's not the path. But God showed up for me in so many ways. So I always had at least a dollar in my wallet. I had people do the community, stepped up. I never once had to ask for help. It's okay to ask for help, but I never had to. I never had to go to the food pantry or anything like that, even though I could have or gone to church. But somebody gave me a car, and not just a beater of a car, a really nice car, and not only gave me a car, but gave me paid my insurance for a year, gave me a $250 gift card at the gas station, gave me a $250 gas station at a, at a muffler and brake place to get my oil changed. And... 
I remember going the next morning after I got my car, stumbling down, opening the garage door. I'm like, nope, it wasn't a dream, you know, because it seems so surreal that somebody would give you a nice car. And just things like that happen continually. Somebody showed up at my door one day and said, here, I have a gift for you. And I said, oh, okay, who's it from? She said, I can't tell you that. And my youngest daughter was home at the time, Andrea, and Andrea wasn't a crier. And she and I sat on the couch and lifted up the lid to this gift box, and we both just sobbed. It was just filled with gift cards, and not just gift cards for necessities. Those were important, of course. But I think what moved us the most is there were gift cards for movie theater and restaurants to go out to eat so we could have some sense of normalcy. Um, one of um, Sarah's friends in her high school youth group at the time left me a card one day with a $20 bill in it and a note that said, God hears the cries of your heart. And my refrigerator was always filled from people. It was just incredible. And I counted it up last night preparing for this. And the people I know who helped me, one of, I suspect, anonymously is in this room. Hmm. Um, but 85 people, I'm not even sure I could list 85 people I know right now, <laughs> but 85 people helped us who I know of, and that doesn't even include the people who anonymously gave us money or tangible gift of something. I remember on Christmas Eve, you know, it was kind of dreaded because it was very fresh and new at this time. And we came home, and outside of our patio door, where there was a lot of snow, someone had dug on our patio a hole in the snow and filled it with presents for our whole family. It was amazing. So like, I'm hearing the story when you emailed me, and, and I've heard many stories like this. It's, it's not unique, and that doesn't even undermine the specialness, but just God providing for you in the most tangible ways yes, through so much people so. yeah. in your life. Mm -hmm. Look, I, I'd like you to maybe share one final thing here today, if that's okay, because I know that we have people here right. today or who are listening today that are, are facing similar kind of crises mm -hmm. that you are, who are wondering, how am I going to make it? Yeah. Who are asking questions like, I've got to kind of hold on to everything that I have because I can't make sense of this on paper. What encouragement would you give to people in your situation? I think first I'd like to encourage the people that aren't in that situation mm. to sit and listen in your prayer time and see maybe what God is calling you to do because maybe you're supposed to be one of the people I'm talking about. Maybe you're supposed to give or or have the privilege to give or help. I know that now I just have a heart for single moms and I love to give when I can. But I say for the people who are struggling, don't give up. Get, press into God so much because... It's real quick, at that time, I never really understood what it was like to raise my hand and worship to God. I always thought, well, what will people think? You know, like, mm -hmm. what do people see me? And at that time, that's when I started being able to raise my hands and worship because even though I didn't have a lot or was terrified, I knew I had God and He was meeting where I was. He was meeting me where I was. And just remember that God never walks away. No matter how unfaithful I am to prayer, my prayer life, He doesn't walk away ever. He's always there there. And the other thing is don't be afraid to ask for help. Let people know your needs and just really embrace the community around you because I don't know what I would have done without community. Patty, thank you so much for coming Thanks. up today. Let's give her a hand, all right? Thank you. want to introduce you to another person now. He's actually spoken here on stage before, but he's made some uh, deliberate life changes in his life as of late. His name is Jared Neiman. Jared, I'm going to welcome you up, and Jared is going to tell you about a new way of serving God that he feels called to, and I'll let him speak for yourself. Jared, let's welcome him, all right? 
All right. First off, how long have you been coming? Yes. So um, I, uh, Jolene and I, um, Jolene's my wife. We've been married 15 years. Uh, we have two daughters, Tabitha, age nine, Lydia, age seven. Um, we've lived in Crystal Lake for 12 years, and now we've been part of FOF for two years. All right, so you've recently made a huge life decision, and it starts this coming week. Share with people what it is. Well, Tuesday, um, I'll be starting a seminary at North Park Theological Seminary. <laughs> now, now, Jared, I know that in some capacity, this has been stirring you for, stirring in you for some time, even if you couldn't put like your finger on specifically what it is. I've got to imagine this is coming with a lot of, shall we say, scary life challenges. What are some of those? Yes. Well, um, yeah. I mean, starting this week, um, some of the challenges are um, continuing to have a, a deep faith in, in, um, in where God's leading. Um, there's definitely waves of anxiety. There's um, those types of things, but also trusting um, in the, the Spirit's power. Um, I've, I've strongly sensed His power, um, and I've seen fruit of the Spirit here the last few months as I've fully considered this. Um, I, I mean, I've, I've considered this since I was about age 19, um, but it was just in the last number of years um, where my faith has taken a turn um, in fostering children. I hit burnout. Um, and in that dark moment, um, I, I really sense God um, telling me that he loves me for me, not for what I do. And so in that new identity as a child, um, I now am being given the strength to um, explore uh, seminary, uh, you know, seminary and explore becoming a pastor. Now, you, give, you just gave a, like a wonderfully spiritual answer to the question, but I'm going to drill in on you here because... It has to come with what I would call some of those very tangible felt challenges too. Mm -hmm. Changing work, mm -hmm. possibly moving as a family someday, financial challenges of tuition, a complete shift of life, commuting to Chicago, all of these mm -hmm. kinds of things. I mean, this, this area of service that you're about to enter into, let's face it, it's going to cost you mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, right? Mm -hmm. So why are you doing it? I'm doing it because I, I really sense the spirit you know, God giving me the power to oh, do sure it. Oh, sure, he gives you the power. So, Say no. Say no. <laughs> and, but out of, out of fear um, for him and out of okay. this, this newfound realization that I'm his child and that there's freedom, um, that all of these, uh, you know, other things don't matter. Um, like I said, there's definitely waves of anxiety where, you know, we think about finances or we think about schedules. Um, I think about failing. Um, so there's, you know, I think about, you know, being humiliated and uh, <laughs> failing my classes and all of this being for nothing. Um, fears like that. Um, but um, in prayer, um, God surprises me. Um, and I've been inspired um, quite a bit by Moses, um, and uh, because I, I feel like I'm not that eloquent, I'm not that great of a speaker or that great of a writer, um, and God told Moses, um, who gave human beings their mouths? Is it not I, the Lord? And so I take heart in that, um, and so deep in prayer, I can take heart in that and these other risks 
um, just aren't as important. I mean, that's awesome. And, and Jared, you know, I look at you and your family, and I don't want to embarrass you here on stage, but I will, or I'll try. But, but truly, it's this, this huge faith gesture that you're taking, this complete radical shift of service that you're about to embark in that's out of your comfort zone, that's going to tax you, that's going to test you, and you're putting yourself on the line. And I know this, that God has a call on every person here, and oftentimes God calls with some similar kind of out of the comfort zone call. There's people here struggling with the same kind of anxiety, people here with the same kind of excuses like Moses that they could easily set up. What word of wisdom or encouragement would you give to them today? I would say uh, stay near to God. So let me explain. Um, it's a fact that God is near you. Like Jesus said that he's always with us by his spirit that's within us. And Paul says multiple times, like, God is near you. Um, so even when we don't realize or we don't feel like it, God is near you. Um, but how do we stay near to God? Um, I would say that we stay near in prayer. And so I would encourage you to be creative in prayer. Um, pray scripture. Um, pray centering prayers. Like a, a centering prayer that I've prayed the last few months is simply Abba. And so I'll just say that randomly throughout the day, either in my mind or out loud when I have those waves of anxiety. And it, it recenters me and it reminds me um, of what's of what's reality, what's going on. Um, uh, you know, another way of creatively praying would be to um, write out your prayer um, in, and write out what you sense God might be speaking to you. Um, and a lot of times for me, it's writing out scripture, but in the actual act of writing it as a loving father to me, his child, I've, I've found it very powerful. So I would encourage you to be creative in praying um, as you stay near to God. All right, well, you know, you and your family, I don't mean this as a cliche. It's inspirational watching, watching someone take this kind of leap forward, responding to God. Way to go. Let's give it up for Jared. Thank you, brother. Jolene. One final story today, it's Art Delgadillo. Art Delgadillo is going to come on stage now. He works over at McHenry High School here in town. He's chief of security or head of security over at McHenry High School. And Art, to me, is a great example of someone who's taking their expertise in the private sector, if you can call it that, and trying to bless the church with it. So, Art, here you go. How long have you been coming to FOF? Well, first of all, good morning, <laughs> FOF family. How are you? <laughs> Uh, just a little bit about myself and my yeah. wife, Kathy, and my family. I've been coming to FOF for approximately two years. I've been serving for one year. But if I'm honest with you, let me tell you how we ended up at FOF. I'm going to keep it real short and simple. My daughter, Ava, she's sitting over there. <laughs> she's probably embarrassed. She asked us for her birthday to come to FOF. That was how we ended up here. And Rock on. My, my wife and I said, of course, honey. Um, and that's... 
that was our transition over to FOF. She said, I really want you guys to come to FOF. By the way, we recommend that the birthday presents you give this year are also an invitation to come to FOF, and they will be blessed by it. So, no, brother, it's great having you. Way to go, Ava, on that. And uh, it's been great having your family here. So tell us just very briefly what you do over at McHenry High School. So I'm director of security for the McHenry High School District. So it's freshman campus, upper campus. And I have several teammates that are here at this church. I don't know if you knew that. Tina, can you stand up for a second? We'll keep it real brief. Real brief, she's the police officer at the school. You said top cop, right? She's our top cop, yes. Yeah. That's, that's, that's my, my bodyguard. Like, she takes care of me, too. But, and then my brother, Victor, he's security there, too. Um, anyway, all to tell you is that we have a great team at the high school. I'm a retired police commander. I did that for approximately 25 years. I have 15 years of detective investigation cases, crimes against persons. I want to be vulnerable with you a little bit <laughs> because I really just want you to know where my heart is and the, my posture is in the serving. When I retired the police department, I really missed the opportunity to be for a family or someone who was broken, going through some hard times. Um, and I missed it a lot. And my wife kept encouraging me like, hey, you know, you should do something. During that time, I was also diagnosed with leukemia, and um, at that point, right, you think the world's coming to an end, but it didn't. It actually, we were good to go. Like, in one week later, after we got the news, we were ready to keep moving, boasting our weakness, and just celebrating life, and we knew that God was always going to be with us, and He is with us. I wasn't looking for a job. <laughs> I got a phone call saying, hey, there's an opportunity at the high school. And I prayed about it. It was director of security. And Highland Park had the big incident. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I'm ready for this. Like, let's just think, rethink this. I prayed about it. I prayed about it. In my heart, there was a tugging from the Holy Spirit just saying, hey, you got to go in that direction. I applied. And then, you know, I ended up getting hired there. Um, so what I'm telling you is, if you feel like your heart's tugging, pulling you in a certain direction, listen to it. Do it. Um, I'm the happiest person I've ever been because of it. Without, when my heart is filled, I am so happy. And so I just really encourage that for all of you. If you're feeling that moment or something that, you know, just do it. Do it. You know, Art, I, I think about the time I've gotten to know you. You serve as one of our hosts here on Sunday morning. You're wearing the tag even. I think you're serving this morning even at the front door, greeting people. And I think of that old motto, you know, the police motto of to protect and to serve, Right. And you've given your life to service. And hearing even your story now, the joy that comes through being that spark, as you put it, in someone's life, I'd like to shift gears to something specific here at FOF. You're taking all of this police training, all of this police experience that you have, and starting a safety team here at FOF. Describe just briefly to people what that is here today and also why you're doing it. Yeah, it, once again, right, it's just one of those things. I'm like, why don't we have a security team here at the church? It's not... It's not to be the police or the military. It's simply just to be prepared in case we did have an emergency. And I think there's a lot of qualified people. As a matter of fact, I know already some people who are volunteering to be a part of this team. We really just want to be like a greeter, just one step higher, just in the sense that we're a little bit more observant. Greeter with a gun? Greeter, no, no, not a uh. greeter with a gun. <laughs> our gun will be our, our mouth that will de-escalate things if we had an issue, if we had an emergency. <laughs> But um, so there's a lot of people who are excited about this. I'm excited about this. And we're looking to put this together here in the very near future. Art, I mean, just 
step in the line like this, stepping up to serve in this way because you love this church, because you want to serve people. It's awesome. Can we give it up for Art here this morning? Thank you. I want to recap briefly, and here's why I love about these three stories, especially in tandem with each other. We've got a story of someone who physically witnessed God provide for them when it made no sense on paper. They saw God provide every single day and chose to honor him with their life. We met someone here this morning who is putting themselves on the line in a major life shift to follow God's God's call to serve and their life. And we met someone here today who is simply taking their life experience and saying, how do I bless the body with this? How do I bless the church with this? How do I serve others even if there's no, shall I say, compensation or reward coming in it? Guys, I'm convinced of this. Each of you sitting here today, each and every one of you, from the youngest of you to the oldest of you, you have a ministry to the church and you also have a mission to the world. It's part of what being near God results in. Seize it. Own it. Pursue it. Give. Give of yourself. Give of yourself in service to him. It will be a challenge, but you will find it will be a joy. Give of yourself. Give of what God has given you to serve others because that's how Jesus rolls. You with me? So, I said at the beginning, we encourage you to take a survey. I'll throw it on the screen one more time. We've got eight different ways that you can serve here at Fellowship of Faith or through Fellowship of Faith to the community. And I mean the global community by that as well. My bet is that there's something on this list that resonates with your personality type, your skill set, your experience. If you don't know where to start, that's why I had you take a survey 30 minutes ago. And if you blew me off, I get it, most people do. (laughs) Take it before you leave here today. Stop by the table on the way out, play on that website, find different ways, but whatever you do, take a leap. If you're serving already, praise God in that area of service and and say simply, God, is this something that that you're bearing fruit in and showing joy in my life in? Keep pursuing it. If God has closed that door, then pursue another door. If God is looking to test you or bring you or push you in greater ways out of your comfort zone, respond to him in that, oh, it's so hard. I don't want to either. But do it. And if you're not serving at all, you're like, man, I'm brand new to this church. We don't care. God wants to do something in your life. Explore it. There's no blood oaths here. Talk to people. Try it out. You're not committed for life, but take those steps and see what God does in you and through you as a result. All right, so band, I'm going to call you on up. All right? Let's thank the band. They do a lot of hard work around here. Let's, uh, let's thank the unsung heroes. We've got a whole tech team back there that the band couldn't do their job without. How was coffee this morning? Pretty good? Let's thank a coffee team.
and we can add hospitality and hosts and children's ministry and student ministry and people who mow the lawn and people who clean the facilities and staff who give the best hours there a week and people who serve out in the community with no sense of even increasing our church but just to help people in McHenry County and around the world in need. Let's give one big shout out to all of them as well. 